Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. 6, 5, 4, come explore Melbourne and the beaches. 3, 2, 1, it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com. Goodyear Auto Service takes pride in caring for your car. Get in the groove with Goodyear's technician tips. Number 13, inspect your tread. Like a podcast, you're an investigative journalist finding the cracks in the case. And number 64, pump your brakes before you crank that debate. Coming in for routine brake checks are essential for your safety. Goodyear Auto Service, here for the bumps in the road. Get more tips at GoodyearAutoService.com. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a journalist falls in love with a charming transplant surgeon. But he's neither the boyfriend nor doctor he says he is. We'll talk about Peacock TV's adaptation of Dr. Death Season 2. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hi, Kevin. Buenas noches, mi amor. You want to go to the tango later? Yes. Yeah. Come to me to Barcelona. <laughs> Move with me to Barcelona. Yeah, like, like, just like fall in love with me and like court me with no fucking endgame. It's a really oh, good idea. Know. I don't, you know. Yeah. Also with us as private it's investigator, how I did it, yeah. <laughs> certified pet detective, it all worked out, a certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hi, Laura. Hey, Rebecca, an owner of a shirt whose sleeves have shrunk, a flannel shirt. Kevin, I feel you. So now I just roll it up like like quarter sleeves because yeah. that's the way to cope with the sleeves shrinking when you wash it. Yeah, yeah. I went to the L.L. Bean outlet, like you suggested, mm-hmm. to look at this, yes. the shirts, and they were like fifty nine ninety nine, and I just said, nope. You got something. You have to go when they have the sticker bottom. sales. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Kevin, I just, I'm just going to throw this out there. Fifty nine ninety nine. Is not a lot of money to pay for a shirt that you are going to have for the rest of your life. I have the rest of my life. Yeah, the rest of your life. Is this flannel thing really going to last that okay. long? An LLB? Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca, I didn't pay fifty nine ninety nine on your ring, and I'm going to have you for the rest Kevin, of my life. You bought this fat face sweatshirt two summers ago, yeah. or whatever, and I like you will wear that LLB shirt for the rest of your life, and it will cost sixty dollars. Mm. You you bought at least. I didn't like the color. Okay, you bought like yeah, fifteen like of those nine ninety nine old navy shirts. Yeah, and they and fucking you're fall apart <laughs> for three wearings. Like it's not a lot of money for a good shirt. It's just not. I'm feeling ganged up on here. It's okay. No, Kevin, I support you because I am also super cheap when I buy my. So I will wait until there's like a sale. And then I will buy uh-huh. my flannel shirts. Yeah. See, I I will look at I my my clothes are like I buy pricey quality things. Like I have worn this cashmere sweater probably fifty times. I waited for it to be thirty percent off. It was still expensive, but I've legitimately worn it like fifty times, and I'll have it for years, years and years and years. And it's from a kind of the kind of company where if it gets a hole, they'll take it back. 
can we have a new side show where me and Kevin go shopping together? (laughs) (laughs) Do it on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I did look up those Blake Shelton shirts at Land's End and they're all sold out except for the camouflage kind. Oh, yeah. No, I I got them while they were still good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin does not want a camouflage flannel shirt. No offense, you camo fans, but that's not what Kevin's looking for. Anyway, and finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hi, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Toby, we really stirred up the waters with Costner Gate last week. People really seem to uh, be buying into our Kevin Costner thesis. People don't like Costner? Well, they kind of agree that he's never made anything better. Yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> Man, let me have my fantasy, people. <laughs> yeah, he's a strange movie star. Yeah, well, we'll let, let that one live and see how the debate continues to play out online. It's been interesting to watch it unroll. Lara could have been Mrs. Kevin Costner if she played her cards right that one time <laughs> backstage. Well, that one time, if they hadn't caught me when I was trying to sneak between the curtain and the wall that they maybe had duct taped so nobody could sneak through, but I was going anyway. I mean, you know. You're, you're Lara fucking Bricker. Yeah. yeah I was Lara. nothing if not determined. We also started Water Bottle Gate, just FYI. Hot Water oh. Bottle Gate. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I know. I saw that yeah. too, yes. Yeah. You gotta be careful because you don't want to burn yourself. Apparently, uh, one of our wonderful listeners who we also know in person, uh-huh. somebody posted on our page that they want to try the Hot Water Bottle thing and a bunch of people posted great things about it. And then we have one listener who we know, who Laura knows in person very well and who we also know in person who said, I hate to be that person but you could injure yourself very badly with a hot water bottle. And I know somebody who did. And then I posted the photos of our hot water bottles with jackets. You have to buy jackets for your hot water bottles. That's the key. Jackets. Why don't you just use an electric heating pad? Toby, oh, Toby, it's not as fun. No, that is that is how I burn myself. The electric <laughs> heating pad is not good because I used to use one of those on my shoulders and that can get scalding hot. Although my massage chair has a heating function and um, so far so good on that. I think the heating pads, you can adjust the heat. Yeah. So if it starts to scald you, you just turn and it down a little bit. And you can burn your house down, which you cannot you can, do with yeah. a hot water bottle. You can electrocute yourself if you wet the bed. No. Oh, oh God. Can you imagine that crime scene? I just want to point out, Laura Bricker is too cheap to spend more than nine ninety nine in a shirt, but she has a massage chair. I, I have a Bob's Discount furniture <laughs> massage chair. Yeah. It's not a nice <laughs> massage chair. Even the remote says Bob's Discount furniture. It's so not I'm going to get a sharper image. Yeah, I'm going to get a sticker to go over that. It's so cheap. This massage chair that my son for Christmas bought me a foot thing. To put next to the massage chair because yeah. it didn't even have feet massagers. Gotcha. <laughs> Rebecca, she didn't buy it from Sky Mall. Got it. Oh, Got God, it. no, no. It was the Bob's discount furniture. But it is pretty good for a cheap massage chair. I will say I am in a little bit of like a dry spending January thing. And when I get into this thing on a thing, I get really into it. And uh, my friend Katie Brown, wonderful Katie Brown, has one of those um, smart bird feeder things where the birds come and you take videos of them. And she's been doing like voiceovers on them and they're freaking great and she's like Rebecca I know you're not buying anything but you would love this you have to get one and I'm just like no she's like you can get it cheaper on Amazon or whatever and I'm like I found a cheap one on Amazon or whatever and she's sending me I was like you're sending me videos from yours like why do I need my own like why do we both need to have a thing when you can send me videos from your Iowa City bird feeder I'm just saying we don't need to all have that 
right? Because Bigfoot could be in New Hampshire, Rebecca, and you could get yeah. video evidence. I've got a ring. It's fine. You could okay. put a webcam on that thing and then she wouldn't even have yeah. to send you stuff. Maybe. Exactly. Wait a minute. Maybe I could get one of these hanging bird feeders and put it down on the charcuter tree. You can. To capture the culprit. I could not believe your live video of that thing that was wild. Okay. Well, at some point this we have to quality content. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin. So let's do what we do. Thumbs up. Kevin, thumbs it's a, what? it is apparently Monday's podcast. Yes. Not anymore. I think it's already Tuesday. <laughs> what is coming up on Thursday's program? Thursday, we're going to be talking about the podcast from the Globe and Mail newspaper in Canada. It's called In Her Defense. And if you're looking it up in America, remember that the defense is spelled with a C as they would spell it up north. And they acknowledge that in the podcast. That's they do. defense for the sea. That's right. You're the like, Canadian way. You dumb Americans. And it looks like you have something else you want to make an announcement about, Kevin? Yeah, so Rebecca and I, we're going to be in beautiful Las Vegas mm-hmm. at the end of the month, and we're going to be hosting a quick meetup. So if you're in Vegas on Friday, January 26th, we're saying meet us at the Center Bar at the Mirage, 6 p.m. We're going to have a drink. And then you and I are going to dinner because we can't spend all day talking to people. We can't? No, we got blackjack. We got- Dinner reservations. Dinner, we got dinner reservations yeah, exactly. is what it is. No, so, but we'd love to see you for a drink at the Center Bar at the Mirage. Yeah. We'll have more information on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And can I just make one final plug? Yeah, sure. If you have never heard of it, our friends Amber Hunt and Daisy Egan and Amanda Rossman have a Patreon-only podcast network. And I really wanted to help them make that a little bit bigger. So I'm making a special limited run podcast there called Other People's Problems. It's a super fun game show. I recommend checking out their podcast network. It's called Grab Bag Collab. And my game show, Other People's Problems, just debuted there last week. And there's an upcoming episode that features two people from this podcast on it. And I'm hoping another future episode will feature the fourth person from this podcast. We will see if I can convince her to come on and be a contestant. We'll find well, out. you just give away who those two other people are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't say who won, though. I didn't say oh, who won. That's true. Don't spoil it. suspense there. Yeah. All right, Kevin. I think we've uh, done enough chatting. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Ritalin. <laughs> <laughs> we've had longer chat. Does that mean I'm going to get some free samples and we're finally going to be on track? Yes. yes. I would hope so. <laughs> there goes my burner phone again. All right. Let's go ahead and drop that first clip and talk about what we're talking about. Kevin, I think it's time. Leading off. I read this piece in the Times about this little girl who needs a new windpipe and her family's working with this doctor in Europe who's developing artificial organs. Medical miracles. I hate that word. Miracle. TV producer Benita Alexander thinks the work of a transplant surgeon will make for a great story. Dr. Paolo Macchiarini is saving lives by implanting the first artificial tracheas, and Benita soon finds herself in a secret relationship with a charismatic medical pioneer. You want us to move to Barcelona? It's warm and safe. We don't have to lock our doors. It's an incredible place to raise a child. I know you have your work in New York, and I will never ask you to leave it, but, but if you wanted, maybe we could be a family there. Once they're engaged, Benita grows suspicious of his tales of famous friends and promises of a new life in Europe. But worse, Macchiarini has been obfuscating the results of his surgeries, treating patients like human guinea pigs while the devices rot inside their bodies. The man experimented on human beings. He violated every principle of medical ethics and human decency for which we have laws. And we're all to blame. 
We all could have done more, including me. Peacock is out with the second installment of their dramatic adaptation of Dr. Death, based on the Miracle Man season of the Wondery podcast. Actors Mandy Moore and Edgar Ramirez recreate Macchiarini's catfishing romance in the U.S., while Luke Kirby plays one of the doctors in Sweden looking to expose the surgeon's deadly lies. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Peacock's Dr. Death Season 2. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Lara Bricker. Yes. Mandy Moore. Somebody I've talked about positively on the show before because of her wonderful 90s pop song, Candy. I know she's not a bad actor, but I think she's miscast in this program. What do you think about her casting as Benita Alexander in Dr. Death? This was horrible casting and I feel bad. Like all I could think of was like, I was like Mandy Moore and I'm like seeing all these like Nicholas Sparks movies that I've watched on Netflix that she's been in. But she was just not the right person for this role. I felt like I was expecting a more sassy sort of like journalist sort of personality. And so in the beginning, I'm like, did we listen to this podcast? I'm like, what is this story about again? Because her personality And the way that they wrote this character and the way that they cast this character to me just was so off and it just didn't match up with when I actually went and looked up and remembered this story. I was like, oh, yes. We have to wait until the special airs before we tell anybody anything. I'm sure our secret will be safe in Russia. Please come with me. Please come with me. Okay. I mean, who who am I to say no to the great Dr. Macchiarini? She was just way too sweet. I didn't really connect in the way that I think maybe they were intending with her getting swept up in this romance with this like international handsome doctor and all this stuff like that part to me. I didn't feel that at all when I watched the show. And I did when we listened to the podcast, when I listened to the podcast, I did feel like drawn into how she could get into this relationship and how it happened and how she like watching the way that she was in the show, it didn't even come across as like a sort of hard hitting TV producer to me. No, Um, I I don't. It just it came across as very mild, which made it very boring. Right. Well, season one of Dr. Death, the TV show took this story and added some fantastical elements to it and really heightened the drama, but also like cast like this great cast of actors, but then did things like like musical numbers and like made it weird and like weird fantasy scenes and kind of made it surreal. And they made some choices here, Toby, that made it more like a Hallmark Christmas movie or like 13 going on 30 with Jennifer Garner, maybe. Uh, What did you think of sort of just the aesthetic and like the choices that were made here that kind of start on scene one? I would put in the notes that it seemed like somebody had trained like an AI bot on Lifetime and Hallmark channels and then fed in the Dr. Death story. And this is what it kind of spit out. It seems like there's a disconnect between everything that's involved with this actual show and then the content of the show. Like what, what do you mean? Give me an example. Uh, where do you even start? <laughs> I think just like, like the tone of it, it's just so odd. And it kind of goes back and forth between this really kind of vanilla romance. I mean, it just plays like some stupid knockoff, like 
how to kill an hour and a half of your life watching some like syrupy <laughs> like romance show about a doctor and a journalist getting together and then suddenly somebody's like removing somebody's trachea and sticking a plastic trachea and there's blood everywhere it, it's just this is like tremendously bad i thought i don't know if i've ever watched like an entire series that was this bad all the way through and i you know i certainly wouldn't know if we weren't going to review it the very beginning and I'm gonna sure I'm gonna forget some of this stuff, but they show Mandy Moore and she's like, you know, dealing with all this like adult stuff. Like she's at an adult party and then her like former husband is dying and then she goes to work and she's like walking down the hallway and work and people are coming at her from each side, like, we need to have this copy, you know, and she's just like firing back these answers to her. And I'm like, this is like if a sixth grader was like, write something like you're from the point of view of an adult. What's it like being an adult, do you think? Well, I think you go to work and like people are asking you stuff and you got to tell them things and you go to your office and you hopefully you've got a best friend there who can hang out with you. And like, and you get to have lunch and wear good outfits. It doesn't ring true at all. Like, have you guys ever worked in an office? It was so weird. That that office was amazing. It was a corner office. Yes, it was like the office that Gordon Gecko had in Wall Street. (laughs) It's a TV, you know, you know, it's Dateline, but, you know, they don't actually say that. So we'll just say it's a generic NBC television news magazine. She has the corner office, a couch in the office and no television. (laughs) And And what do they do? They make television. And she's ostensibly a producer on the show. And as you pointed out, Kevin, she's in a meeting where they're talking about ad sales. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) If you have that office. Yeah. You can fuck anybody you want. <laughs> no one is going to talk to you about outside of work. In fact, I think at NBC, those offices yeah, might lock to from the inside, you know? Oh, good one, Kevin. So it's like, oh, we have to keep this a secret. I think those if were the- that's your office- <laughs> I think those were the offices from the offices in succession. Like, it was so fucking fancy. Yeah. Also, her apartment, her like ridiculous glass wall. Now, listen, I know this is dumb set dressing bullshit stuff. But I think that I'm so angry about this because season one of Dr. Death was so fucking good. Remember the whole thing of like, it, it was just someone hanging out by the pool mm. and like the whole like heightened like doctors want to be rich thing. And they just did it like so well, like the whole- Evil like, Pacey? Evil yes. Pacey? Yeah. <laughs> And just sort of the, the ambition. Remember the one they would just go see that nurse and she was like um, hanging out by the pool, like in her bikini. And it was like, okay, you're my nurse now. It was like everything was just so heightened and like so atmospheric and so wonderful. Yes. Yeah, so this didn't have the spark at all that season one did. I mean, obviously different stories, a much better cast, right? In season one, Alec Baldwin, Christian Slater's character was like, they made him sort of the edgy, quirky rock and roll guy. And he was delightful. And here they have like the quirky rock and roll guy. And it just kind of, it kind of falls flat. So those characters in season one, they were broad. They were still relatable and animated and fun. This was a little maudlin. I think I I can't quite put my finger on like why this isn't entertaining. It's certainly not as entertaining as our podcasts on Patreon. Oh, (laughs) if you go to hold that thought, Laura, I hear you wanted to jump in, but no. This takes precedent. That's all right. right. It takes almost as much precedent as ripping someone's trachea out yeah, and putting in a say, rotten one. Yeah, I was going to say, hold your windpipe, all right? <laughs> we literally talked about this this show for like four minutes and we're already in an ad break. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the show? <laughs> yes. Hey, well, as somebody who has had his throat opened up surgically, 
Oh, did I just bring the room down? The actual <laughs> fire? Let me tell you, you really want to join us at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. We've got all sorts of great stuff back there. We also have the Crime Writers on After Show. And on this After Show, we're doing kind of a true crime update. We're going back to discuss the case of Nikki Adamondo. You remember her from Believe Her? Yeah, yeah. Well, she was finally released from prison in New York, and so we're going to talk about our thoughts about that. We also uh, want to let you know that uh, you can get episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad-free by uh, signing up at the Let's Do What We Do level. Also, if you join us at the Deep Diver level, you can watch Toby Ball record the latest episode of Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club. Toby is getting together with some guests on February 5th. You can join him live. Toby, tell us about the book. Have you read it yet? Because every week I come to you and you say you haven't read The Angel Makers. Are you caught up on your homework? I, I'm not. I'm pushing it. Man. Okay. I'm going to be reading it very quickly. Um, he was too busy watching this amazing TV show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's quite something. Um, yeah. So uh, the book is called The Angel Makers. It's by Patty McCracken. It is about, I guess, a murder ring in Hungary, like mm-hmm. in the early 1900s. And joining me will be two sort of veterans of the deep dive, Sarah Carradine. Actually, she's not a veteran. She's only been on once, uh, but hopefully people have been listening to her on crime scene for a while. And then uh, Sarah Kalin, who's an investigator and former police detective. And also for the first time, Bridget Keown, who is a professor at the University of Pittsburgh. A nice. Also, podcasts include Leave It to Bricker and Married with Podcasts. And we're almost up to... I think it's like almost 500 exclusive podcasts Wow! behind there. So again, just join us at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. All right, Kevin, does the send the business section? The sends the business section. Great. I can't wait to get back to this conversation. So let's go ahead and fade the music out right now. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. There's nothing like your podcast selection. The topics and banter make for the complete driving experience. Kind of like Goodyear Auto Service. They offer full-service car service. Whatever comes your way, they're ready with a lot of know-how and some friendly tips to help keep you moving. Keep the podcast flowing and your car going with Goodyear Auto Service. For all-around car care, visit GoodyearAutoService.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Lara. Do you feel like this program captured the sort of like villain that is supposed to be Paolo Macchiarini? Because I'm going to be honest, I still kind of wanted to go out with him when I was watching this show, (laughs) even though he was killing people. 
Same. Actually, that is what I was going to say before the break is that I feel like the casting on this was just so off. The the actor who was cast as Paolo and the way that they played Paolo, you know, there was some stuff that was off about him, but he didn't come away. Like, I didn't find myself being like, oh, man, this guy is super evil. He's I was like, oh, he's super sexy. <laughs> um, and then I was like, well, he just he wants to, like, help people who don't have any chances. Like, what other options do they have? They're going to die anyway. I'm like, oh, he's super sexy. So <laughs> I just didn't come away with the same feeling of being horrified by the attitude, the negligence, the treatment of the patients, the way that I felt like I should have been based on the way that this show was set up. So it was just, again, it was like one more thing. Um, I, I didn't actually start to really feel horrified until I think we can, we're going to talk about the episode where we have the woman who has like 500 surgeries. Mm. The way that this was structured, I feel like there was like two shows. There was like Toby's six-year-old wrote everything and sent it to AI Hallmark Lifetime show. And then we have like the second half of this series where I actually start to get invested because now we're into the medical part. And that really, for me, started to take hold when we have this poor woman who goes in and then just has one surgery after another surgery after, and like her eyes are going cross-eyed and it's like, it, oh my God. Yeah. But isn't it? I mean, one thing that strikes me, Toby, is that this story really suffers. The story itself suffers from the fact and when they didn't take any dramatic license with it, which I would argue they should have. It suffers from the fact that Paolo Macchiarini was not present at the place where a lot of the action kinds of takes place. The medical action like the Swiss clinic where like all these doctors were. He's not here. And this is where the action is actually taking place. We're supposed to be watching these doctors like do their thing. And I couldn't figure out any of these fucking timelines that were going on. There was ostensibly several timelines going on. And I'm like, does it even matter what timeline we're in? I mean, did you find yourself just having a hard time with the basic like, where the hell am I? When am I? What am I doing? Why am I here kind of situation? Well, I wouldn't say hard time because that makes it seem like I would try to like figure it out. I, I honestly, I, I found this, <laughs> I just thought it was so bad. I didn't really care. Uh, I, the, the thing I could say about that is there's basically no suspense in this show. As far as I, I mean, I can't think of any bit of suspense except for maybe one scene when Mandy Moore is hiding behind a couch while Dr. Macarini like shows up at the house that he shares with his wife and kids and it's like, oh, do you think he's going to see her behind the couch or not? But of course he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not a menacing figure except for maybe a couple times. And it's usually like he shows up with the cops and he's like, arrest those guys and they go off and he like sneers at them. And that's about it. Right. I mean, otherwise it's essentially these sort of lower prestige doctors trying to find a way to prove to these people who are just getting all this money because he's bringing in these grants to these medical institutions that in fact, this guy's full of it. Like none of what he's doing is medically sound. I just want to follow up on one thing that you wrote in your notes though, is that you did love the dialogue in this series though, right? The dialogue is so freaking <laughs> bad in this and that it's <sighs> like, there's not an ethnicity that does not get insulted. That's brought up in here. It's like, 
the Italians, like they're known for their secrecy. You know, it's like, oh, it's like Omerta, like there's all the Italians are like the mafia. Yes. I, I will tell you as an Italian, I am known for my secrecy. That is and uh, at one point he calls somebody in Scotland. He's like, I'll see what I can find for you, mate. You know, it's like all I can think about was uh, Kevin on The Office when he was trying to imitate like Australians. And he's like, "Okay, mate. He like says mate at the end. He thinks that's what. So it's like, you know, there's an awful dialogue with a African-American family. That's just it's just painful. Okay, you are messing with her. Finding chemo is not Pixar. It's Gallo's humor. Uh, Dr. Macarini, please tell my son to stop it. No, I'm going to interfere there. See, oh. see, Doc's on my side. Thank you. Oh, Lord, save me. I'm going to have to smack you. Come on. In the, I think it's the first episode. Dr. Macarini is giving a fucking speech at some university lecture hall. And he's talking about God breathing life into Adam. But the freaking slide he's showing is a Venus emerging from the sea. I'm like, yeah. Do you think this is a Sistine Chapel? Like, I think that's what you mean to be talking about, but you've put a completely different picture here. So it doesn't make any sense. It's just like these attentions to detail are just so, it just seems like it's sort of thrown together shoddily and nobody was there to be like, yeah, how about like not stereotyping every single fucking person who's not an American? Hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. And also stereotyping on. the Americans too. The American, yeah, the Americans don't get yeah. off much better. So, Kevin, what drives Paolo Macchiarini? And like, how, yeah. what is his end game? Because I found myself asking, I, I think we asked his questions in the podcast too, and asked them again, like, how does he think this is all going to work out? What drives him? Yeah, I mean, because this is an adaptation, you know, they can take liberties with the story, right? And they don't use that creative freedom to flesh out who. Macarini is or what drives him right I mean I suppose they could have used that scene like where they go back to Italy and meet the mom like they could have foreshadowed something or I mean other than the fact that oh he got arrested for for speeding or whatever the like we don't ever get sort of what makes him tick why does he have a wife in in Spain or wherever it was and and you know why is he lying about being the Pope's doctor and all this other stuff like we get a little bit of that in dr death season one like we get a little more of a backstory on pacey i forget the guy's name you know it gives at least lip service to the idea that he's motivated by x yeah by by wanting to win yeah i mean i think maybe it's like money but i mean he's not going to get money out of bonita by you know romancing her it's like why are you just a compulsive liar right it's weird so we don't know what makes him tick and Laura, I agree with you, but you know, the casting here between Benita and Apollo, it's just, there's no spark there. So that whole storyline just falls flat. And so, you know, you're just left waiting for something to happen in the past in Sweden. Did you look up what Benita Alexander looks like? No. It's horrible casting. Oh, it's yeah? horrible. Aside from the fact that Benita's hair is brown, it is like easily the worst casting. It's like taking... um I don't well, who, know. Who would you cast then if you could pick anybody? I don't know. Somebody who does not look like they walked out of a walk to remember. You know, I don't dislike Mandy Moore. I don't. She's the most girl next door looking person, right? Benita Alexander does not look like a girl next door. She's a very sort of like. But the, yeah, but and, and they she, don't need to cast someone who looks exactly like Benita. But, Benita, Benita but Alex, they need somebody. Benita yeah. Alexander is a media personality. She does voiceover work. She's a television person. She's a very engaging. Yeah, none of us know what she looks like. Presence. I looked her up. And Mandy Moore is just not that. She's just not. It doesn't work. Did Paolo and, have a beard? 
Who, who cares? Well, you're the one who's like saying it's got to look like this. Yeah. Paolo was much better looking in this than he's in real life. But I will tell you, there was the one scene between the two of them where there, I think, was the most dramatic scene ever. Dr. Death version of Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh. When he does the surgery to relieve the pus in her belly on the bed. And he pours the vodka over his knife and it pops. I was like, oh, God. <sighs> so what? Antibiotics or something? No, it's too late for that. You're in sepsis. I need to debride your wound. Otherwise, you will go into shock. Debride? What does that mean? It'll be okay. So the boring sex scenes. Oh, but now we've got pus popping. Fantastic. And then let's go back to the boring ass doctors in Switzerland standing around and drawing on the wall. Well, I'll tell you, I think they were the most interesting part of the whole darn thing. That one doctor was actually the honestly the best part of the whole thing. The doctor who was like trying to expose this. The guy with the beard or the rock and roll guy? The rock and roll guy. I think he was out of all the people in this. I think that was the the character I responded to the most in this whole Hmm. nightmare. Interesting. I hated him. You hated him? Why, Toby? Because he was just like a normal guy. And the only thing they could do to figure out how to give him a personality was to have him wear Bruce Springsteen t-shirts and share uh, (laughs) CDs with that Turkish woman who was dying. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's literally his personality. And he does the thing like George Clooney would do in the first season of ER where he would just kind of like look his his head down and kind of like look up because he just can't, you know. Make eye contact and it's just all squirming like, yeah, you know, it's me here. Yeah. I still think he was the out of this whole show. I think he was the best one. You ever notice, like you're talking about that scene where they just take a marker and they just start writing on the wall because they don't have a yeah. dry erase board. And it looks like months go by and they're still filling out like this very simple chart yeah. with yes and no. There's four pictures on the and wall. Still, yeah. They're like, wait a minute, we still got five of these more to go. We've only got halfway through our list. It's been six months. And you're writing down <laughs> yes or no. It's like, do they what have you, a fever? Yes, no. They're okay. What, what do you think, Kevin, of how they tried to make us remember who the patients are? Mm. It was like soccer guy. Yeah. Helpful girl. Yeah, I mean, they went a little too hard. Sing to, to your give, kid person. Yeah. <laughs> they want to give each of the patients like this unique personality. So there's like, you know, the really positive American patient is all like, oh, you got to love life and go get that girl, doc. Um, <laughs> and it's going to be real sad when I die. You know that? She told me that American men are so much braver in movies. That just means she wants you to yippee ki that ass. Sweep up off her feet. You know... Tomorrow, I'm going into a 14-hour surgery. They're going to replace half of my chest. What are you doing? Oh, I just want to like, dance. That's why like I'm Hitchcock's having a surgery. It's thing about like, the time bomb being underneath the table, and you're just, you, you know, nobody knows it except you, and you're just like, oh, don't get attached to that guy. This, this is not going to go well. But then it's just, it, again, I think it's just sort of a problem with the way they constructed the characters and, and the writing, and, you know, so much of this just really fell flat. Yeah, but Toby got one thing out of it that, like, he'll probably use for the rest of his life an expression, right? Toby, like, this podcast, for instance, is a cocoon of color. Yes, <laughs> cocoon of color. When he said that, and she was like, hmm, I like that, cocoon of color. It's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And then it, they bring it back up again later. Like, she brings it up, like, she's supposed to be, like, bringing things back around. She described something as a cocoon of color. It's like, yeah. you gotta be fucking kidding me. And who did she meet? A South Korean Catholic priest who just happens to be in Italy and comes from the same little village <laughs> that this uh, this child with the you know with the fatal disease comes from, and you know and like but he's never heard of her. So where did this mission of yours start? South Korea, a small neighborhood called Yongsanggu. Yongsanggu? Hmm. Yes, you know. 
I do. I do actually. But then there's this whole thing with like this like really rich like Russian guy and his ballerina girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, like he's going to screw that up. And this oligarch guy is going to have him whacked or something. Like I thought that was going to be like a point of tension, but it doesn't have to be at all. And actually when she goes to visit her, she like lives in some like middle-class apartment somewhere. Toby, all I could think about was the fucking glass walls in Mandy Moore's apartment. That's how stupid this thing was. I'm like, how does she and Paolo have so much sex with her daughter home when all the windows are made of glass? Like, that's how stupid Most windows are made of glass, by the way. Well, all the walls are like, like, there's no walls in this apartment. walls! This news producer lives in, in her succession office. I think Vanita was scared by blinds as a child. (laughs) They're very dangerous. You can choke yourself yeah. or hang yourself on much, those. Much like mirages, they can be very deadly. Well, Toby, you know, it seems you've spent so much of your time working on other people's hearts <laughs> that you've neglected your own. Yes. <laughs> ah, God. <laughs> this whole thing. And we haven't even talked about that poor Turkish woman who, yeah. you know, I was watching the thing and it's horrific. It's like body horror type stuff. And then the idea that there's an actually a woman who underwent all this is horrifying and then that it was depicted in this way on this show just feels so sort of like voyeuristic and disrespectful to what actually seems like just an obscene medical tragedy i was like i think this is supposed to be the heart and soul of this thing is like her story but it feels like it's just such a kind of superficial way of showing this incredibly disturbing tragic situation that it just left me feeling like why did you think this was a good idea who does it serve like do you think that people who knew her whatever gonna look at this and be like wow you really did her justice it just Mm. seemed really completely off base well it was like they they tried to do like the shock value on this show instead of developing actual like three-dimensional characters and a plot that was actually going to be effective in the way that it was telling the story it was like the shock value like we're gonna throw this out and now look now she's cross-eyed and now she just wants to die why did you bring me back instead of actually telling the story the good news is Laura though maybe she'll be wrapped in a cocoon of color at some point <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't laugh. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. There's nothing like your podcast selection. The topics and banter make for the complete driving experience. Kind of like Goodyear Auto Service. They offer full-service car service. Whatever comes your way, they're ready with a lot of know-how and some friendly tips to help keep you moving. Keep the podcast flowing and your car going with Goodyear Auto Service. For all-around car care, visit GoodyearAutoService.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So... 
Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Okay, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Peacock's Dr. Death Season 2? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Peacock's Dr. Death Season 2. Um, this is a thumbs down for me. Had I not been trapped at home during our first snowstorm and obligated to watch this because we are reviewing it, I would not have gone past the first 10 minutes of the first episode. This was really bad. The casting was bad. The story was told in a way that was just not interesting. It didn't convey the, to me, necessarily the seriousness of what was happening with this doctor and the malintent that he had that we heard so clearly in the podcast about this story. This is one of the worst things I think we've watched in a long time. It was painful. Um, I had a family member visiting and and I was like, yeah, we just have to watch this thing. Um, and uh, <laughs> I was like, my God, he's going to leave here and be like, these things that Laura watches are horrible. Um, I would say, I'm sorry, this is a, I wouldn't even say I'm sorry. I mean, this is just a thumbs down. This was, this was horrendous. Yeah, who are you apologizing to? That's what I'm Yeah, I'm, I'm apologizing, I don't know, to the, the real people that were affected by this doctor whose stories should have been told in a better way. Tony Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Dr. Death season two on Peacock? I'm sure I've like seen the beginning of something that was worse than this and I just kind of turned it off. But unfortunately, I was unable to do that because we were reviewing it. Sorry. So I watched all freaking eight episodes or whatever it was. Ten episodes seemed like a hundred. This is just it's really, really, really bad. Like, I don't even know where to start, but I think the script's bad. The acting's bad. They get all all these details wrong. I think it's kind of disrespectful to the patients who died. There's like horrible special effects for these very graphic surgeries. Like, it would be kind of gross, except that the special effects aren't very good. So you don't really feel like you're looking at an actual surgery. Yeah, the whole thing is awful. So I give it a thumbs down. Kevin Flynn. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, let me tell you one thing that I'm glad about. And even though this may not be a great piece of drama, a great adaptation, I am grateful that studios and networks still see the value in these short-form podcast series as a proof of concept. Because for, you know, for a while, the IP adaptation was sort of built into the financial model of these series. And we need these on our podcasts. And I think, I can't remember where we all came down on the podcast version. But, you know, there's no Dr. Death season four. Actually, there is. But there's no four and five or whatever if you can't finance it. And the advertising that you get from these short-run series is not the same as you can for other things. So for that, I am grateful for the existence of Dr. Death. Season two. Uh, This was not put together well at all. It's such a disappointment because Dr. Death season one was put together in a way that was animated and fun and they tried different things. And here there just was no chemistry between the different characters. There wasn't a lot of tension. Uh, It really didn't convey sort of the horror of what was happening here. Uh, So um, I'm just going to have to say and just building up to it. It's a thumbs down. Yeah. If you love Hallmark Christmas movies with blood and gore and some hints of scandy decor and body horror and quasi-racist tropes and totally nonsensical plots, then this is for you. Uh, But it's not for me. This is the dumbest shit 
ever. This is so fucking dumb. Mandy Moore is not a terrible actor, but she is terrible in this. I would rather listen to the pop song Candy for as long as it took to watch this series over and over and over again than be subjected to one more minute of this series. Yeah, Dr. Death season two on Peacock is terrible. But it's the kind of terrible, honestly, that like you might want to watch a little bit of just so you can laugh at it. That being said, it's still a fucking thumbs down. All right, now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call... The crime, crime of the week. Of the week. <laughs> Driving is no laughing matter. That's the message to state highway departments from the feds. They're telling the states to knock it off with the funny messages on their electronic highway signs. When they're not being used to announce traffic delays and road emergencies, many states use the message boards for creative safety reminders. In Boston, it says, use your blinker. <laughs> New Jersey says, slow down, this ain't Thunder Road. And the Magnolia State says, Four eyes in Mississippi, two eyes on the road. You could have done an accent there, Rebecca. No. It would have been better than a Dr. Death. No. But the Federal Highway Administration warns the corny jokes can be a distraction, especially if the driver doesn't get the cultural reference. During the holidays, Ohio ran with a Christmas story-themed message, Life is fragile, drive safe. But to get the joke, you'd have have to seen the movie, so Toby Ball obviously wouldn't understand. Nope. Uncle Sam is giving the states two years to rein in the dad jokes. Meanwhile, research by the states say drivers more often remember safety messages written with humor. So, panel, who doesn't like some light reading while traveling 65 miles per hour? What is your favorite funny highway message, Laura Bricker? Well, I had to turn to the interwebs for this because I knew I wasn't going to come up with one. And I found the perfect one. Mm -hmm. In Kentucky, there was a sign that said... Cats have nine lives. You are not a cat. Buckle up. <laughs> mm. What about you, Toby? What is your favorite funny highway message? I don't know if it's intentionally funny, but uh, when I used to commute down to Massachusetts on uh, the highways where they have the, the signs, it said, uh, snow plows needed. Call this number at the Mass Department of Transportation, which I thought was funny that they just don't have enough people with snowplows to plow our roads that they you know, have to advertise on the uh, captive audience, highways. right? Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite funny highway message, Kevin? Uh, it says, slow down, windshields hurt. <laughs> God. Yeah, right? That's dark. You know, and then five minutes later, you're like, oh my God, they're right. <laughs> I better call Dr. Death. All right, Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you and pitch their local signs to be your new favorite highway sign. How can they find you on social media? They can find me at Laura Bricker. What about you, Toby Ball? How can you be found online? At Toby Ball and H. Kevin Flynn, if folks want to reach out to you and say hello, how can you be found? I'm a Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me everywhere, like Twitter or Instagram, for instance, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. What's fun is you get to go to Facebook, go to our regular page, find our pin post, join the group, and all you have to say is, who is your favorite of the four of us? That's all you have to do. And then we'll let you in. You got to pick a favorite, though. It's you, Benita. You can equivocate. You can be like, I don't know, but I think Toby. A lot of people do that. They equivocate, but then they have to pick one. And if you say, Agatha Christie is my favorite crime writer. Yeah, you're not getting it. You can fucking get dumped. But literally, all you have to do is know one of our names. That is the test. Anyway, get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get all the stuff we make there. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the terrific Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is 
is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we also have deep discussions with our close personal friend, the Pope. Hey, Papa. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. Treating patients like human guinea pigs while the device is rot inside their bodies. Clip three. You know what rots inside my body? What? Chipotle. Hmm. Ew. Picture this. You're on a John Deere compact tractor, enjoying the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. You just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you.